experience also. And so you had a group of people here, though, that in Corinth, and they, they're starting to see the blendedness. And there's gray areas that we have in our lives that we can do and we can't do. And it was the same thing there. And it was worried about this food and the Corinthians had. And so the Apostle Paul addresses this problem. But what we see here is that he wants to make sure that they're treated right. Now, some of the things that we have in our society, think about them. For instance, um, some of those gray areas for Christians, like should a Christian get a tattoo? Should a Christian go to movies or body piercing or how they drink or should they use drugs or how should they spend their money or should we allow people across the border um, the other <laughs> or abortion some believe that it's okay for a Christian to do that and some even touch other sides of the situation in fact I'm surprised and I'm glad that I didn't get arrested last Wednesday because my um, one of my chaplains and I um, and uh, we come from both sides of the coin and I'm pretty much conservative and he's pretty liberal and we sat down and we started talking and oh my dear and I noticed that his voice and probably mine was too was raising in front of Chipotle, right, right in Cheddar's in their lobby. And I'm thinking, oh my. And this kid who's holding, you know, the, the menus is like almost like shaking as we're getting into this thing. And I said, you know, we better not do this now. Because there's things that are, as we know, are gray areas that we as Christians are divided on. And some of them are big issues. And some of us feel that they're biblical and he felt he was biblically biased too, and yet we have great disagreement on him. And so here, the Apostle Paul speaks to us, and he talks to us about these truths, but also when there's no direct development from the scriptures, we may make some interpretations of a scripture, but is it God's will? And so here he has this, though, with these young, weak Christians who are struggling with what to do about the meat of the temple because they're seeing some of the mature Christians going and buying it and sitting in the restaurant and eating it, and they're feeling offended. They're feeling that that's not biblical. Now, the Apostle Paul spoke to us back in chapter 6 two weeks ago about this whole idea about not becoming a slave of anything. There's gray areas, for instance. There's things that we can do. But the question is, and the Bible doesn't say, Thou shalt not, Dave, buy a fancy car. Or thou shalt not buy a boat, Dave. But the question Paul puts for us in chapter 6 is, What will it do, that freeing and being able to do that, to buy that boat, what will it do and affect your life? And will it make you a slave to it? I know a Christian couple who bought a boat and they were so excited about it and they were going to use it for the Lord and they were gone every church and they didn't make church for the next 15 weeks because they were out on the... And then they started having problems in their family because the kids didn't want to go anymore. They wanted to stay in their neighborhood and play with their friends. And then they began to have other problems and, 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 and the payments on it were pretty steep. And you see there Paul is saying to us, there's a lot of things we can do, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. 
But if it makes us a slave, then we have to make sure that it doesn't do that and that we are free in Christ and it doesn't hamper our walk with Christ. And Paul has in this section of Scripture about six things, questions that he gets us to listen to and ask so that in those gray areas of life where we're debating whether or not to do anything, we don't hear from the Lord, thus saith the Lord do this. No, instead, he gives us these principles to evaluate whether or not to do a certain thing. And one of them was that question back in 6.2. Well, today we're going to discover that Paul has some things that we need to understand that's a hard one to understand because in America, we're individuals and we say, hey, I can do whatever I want to do. And I'm a Christian. I can do whatever I want to do. But it's not always the best thing. And Paul asked that one question, will it make you a slave? But now he asks another question. And is the knowledge and love that the knowledge that we have should be put together with love. Otherwise, knowledge can become brutal. It can destroy people's life. And yet he says the knowledge has to come with the caveat of love. Because if we don't have love with it, then what happens is our knowledge just becomes hypocrisy. And he says we can't do that. We have to have the knowledge, but the, no the, the knowledge has to be directed by love in order to deal with it. And this is how he's dealing with the situation of the contrary, con controversy in the church. Look what he says. He says, now concerning things sacrificed to idols. Now, notice he says concerning things. These are things that they wrote to him about, about sacrificed idols. We know that we all have knowledge, and knowledge makes us arrogant, but love edifies. And so he makes a bold statement here, and he says, you know, your knowledge, if you don't watch it, can make you very arrogant and think you're a know-it-all of everything, and that nobody's going to tell you nothing, or you're going to be looking down on people and think that they're fools. Where he says, but love edifies and shows that you've been given this gift of knowledge and that you can pick people up and encourage them. And he says it's a very important, valuable tool to know that we need the two. And if anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. And Paul is saying, you think you know everything? You don't. In fact, in God's universe, you know a very little piece of it. But if anyone loves, he is known by him. And he says, this is the key, is that your love for one another is critical as you use your knowledge and not abuse it. And otherwise, it becomes egotistical. And he begins to talk about this cheap meat and all this. And he says, you have this knowledge. And you say, well, I don't need to worry about, <clears throat> I can go down and, uh, because there's no gods, it's not important. And I can just go buy this meat and it doesn't matter. Well, if it's bothering a young Christian who has just come out of this sacrifice to idols and you're offending him by exercising your freedom that you have, then you need to question yourself whether to do it. He says because your spiritual knowledge, which is supposed to enrich you and others, is destroying and making you proud and destroying your brother and sister. And so you need to be careful. Otherwise, you can easily destroy the brother whom you're supposed to love. The little child who's afraid in the dark will not feel assured by arguments. 
And this is what happens sometimes when people come to Christ in a new, sometimes they're emotionally, because they've left everything in their past. And that what we need is an older brother or sister or parent to go in that room and assure them that they don't have to be worried in the dark. And it's an attitude that we're not arrogant then, but we understand their feelings and emotions and we want to help them get through this so they can sleep by themselves. Otherwise, it's just brutality. Hey, you get back to bed. There's nobody in there. Get out of here. You know that. That's not the way to do it. But to love them. And sometimes young Christians will try to grab onto rules, regulations, things that they can't do and can do so they can feel secure in their faith. That's what weak young Christians do. And they can easily stumble. But you see, Paul is saying, you mature Christians, build them up. Give them the security that they know. Don't get big-headed. Because it's easy to become arrogant. I remember when I was a child, we had a whole bunch of people in our neighborhood that went to Christian school. They went to parochial school. And they thought they were to cast me out. And they said that we, our Christianity wasn't worth anything because we weren't going to Christian school. And we were really learning all day. They said we were learning all day because we were learning how to live in the world for Christ and not have any backup. And here the Apostle Paul speaks about that. He says it can become ignorant, ignorant. it can be arrogant, and it can be foolish. And what happens, worst of all, you could hurt a fellow brother or sister in Christ. And so then Paul speaks to them and says, look, the reality of it all is the food belongs to God, and he's done it. And look at what he says. Therefore, concerning eating things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is a, no such thing as an idol in the world. He's saying there's no, no, no personality behind that wooden object. And he's saying there's no God but one. For even if there were so-called gods, whether in heaven and earth, and you see what he's doing, he's saying, I'll give you that. But they're not going to answer as indeed there are many gods and many lords yet. He says there's none like the God we have, verse 6, yet for us. There is one God, the Father, from whom all things and we exist from him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things we exist through him. And what Paul is saying here, so, you see, God owns it all, and he's in control of it all, and there's no such things as these gods. They don't answer. Call upon them. They won't call back. But he says, we have a God, a living God, the Father, who loves us, the Son who died for us, and we... And what we do, he says, all the things that we have come from him. And so we're to be grateful for them, and we're to use them for his glory. And we should not be afraid to eat them or partake in them. But he realizes that some people need to grow in that. And so he says, Christian, help them see it. Don't be big-headed and make fun of them. One of the tragedies I saw in my ministry one time, I had a group of people that a guy had come to know Christ here, and he asked me if I would have a, a Bible study at his house. And it was a little house over here, I, um, on, I think on Comus. And he had all brought all his drug addict friends and all his people that he knew, and he invited me to come and teach the Bible study. And I did, and I brought, <clears throat> I think it was three other Christians with me, or two, and uh, the three of us went to this Bible study. And the tragedy of all is this young man who just came to know Christ. 
He had never touched the Bible before in his life. <clears throat> and he said, you know, I really want to go into this book. It seems pretty interesting to me of Galatians. And two of the Christians just burst out loud. Galatians, oh, that's funny. And they made him feel like a fool. And I kind of had a smirk on my face, but I felt bad because that hurt his soul. He had never picked up the Bible. And all of a sudden, he picks up the Bible and picks out this Colossians Bible, and he doesn't know how to pronounce it, and two Christians are making fun of him. And I had a smirk on myself. I had the same. But it was tragic because it hurt him uh, in his walk with Jesus Christ. And we have to be so careful as believers. We know the reality of Jesus Christ. We know things. But when people come to know Christ, they're babies. You treat a baby with very care and caution. It's like my granddaughter. She's one years old. But we have to be so cautious. And now we've put all these things on cabinets and everything so she doesn't get into them. In fact, the other day I was trying to fix our garbage disposal, and I couldn't get in. I was pulling on it, and I had to get a magnet to open the door. Well, here the Apostle Paul says, be careful that you don't offend a brother or sister that way. In fact, the reality is so. And there's tension if you don't understand this. And this is the tension that they had about this mood, the feast and food for idols. And, and that an attitude that we can easily offend a brother or sister. Now, you know, and I know, we have these gray areas that Paul is talking and giving us principles about. He says, make sure you don't offend your brother or your sister who's weak or a Christian who's not been, or a person who's not even been there. And think of the issues that you, when you come out of, out of that lifestyle and you come to Christ, what changes you have to make in your life? And sometimes it's easier just to be straight out flat. I can think of the times and some of the issues that I've seen in my own ministry of Christians struggling with what do I do? For instance, we talked about drinking alcohol. I remember <clears throat> I didn't realize how bad an attitude I had for that. The Bible never says it's, not, it's wrong to drink. Drunkenness is a sin in the Bible, but not wrong to drink. And I remember my Bible study on Friday morning confronted me because they, like they like to drink, and when they go, they like to have a beer. And I have this thing because of my past and my family history that I almost get an aversion to drinking. And I realized, and it convicted me, that I have to understand. They don't have the issues that I have in my life. And it's okay for them to drink. They're not going to go out and get a drunken sloppy. They're just going out to have a pleasurable drink, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I had to fix my heart and mind for that. Because I would always make a joke or make fun of that. And sometimes I'd offend people about it. And so I needed to change that. Some people, as Christians, like to chew or to smoke, or card playing. How many of us remember those days when card playing was totally out of the picture, or throwing dice? And there's still people today who think about that. Or wearing makeup. <laughs> or basically women who wouldn't wear dresses to church, but only wore pants. I remember a church that I was going to on Sunday night, and they had a big stir. 
because they felt that women, if they wore slacks to church on Sunday, that they were disobeying the Bible. And the Bible, when the, the Bible said something about dressing in men's clothing, it was talking when they both had robes. They didn't have pants in those days. And, and yet people got upset about that. And you see, that was a great issue that people blew up, and it almost destroyed the church. Or about dancing. Some people believe Christians can't dance or playing sports on Sunday or <clears throat> the style of music, even in church, rock and roll music, they feel is so wrong. Or going to theater or going to movies or practices of meditations or gambling or even <laughs> being on the stock market. I know some Christians who feel that's evil. You see, all these things are man-made stuff. And that's why Paul wrote these things, so that we can understand these things are gifts from God. And yes, we need to be in control of them. We can't allow them to make us slaves. And we can't use it to offend brothers and sisters. I mean, how many times have you heard it about churches? These churches today, they're making Easter eggs and having Easter egg hunts at Easter. And Jesus not even being seen. Or you hear on Halloween... Or, again, at Christmas, they're having trees and giving out gifts and talking about Santa Claus. And on and on and on it goes. You get the picture. And some of it is right and some of it wrong, but it's a matter of your heart. And it's a matter of why we do them. And that we need to consider our attitudes. Um, and, and, and that gets dangerous because we think, well, we know the Bible better and that we look down on a Christian who will have a Christmas party. You see that? Paul says, folks, look at it. We do everything to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And we have to have an humble attitude about what we know about this. And he says, it's not about food. It's not about these things. It's about the Lord. And as long as we're glorifying the Lord in it, we need to be careful. You see, it's like the student who came back from K-State. His father was a farmer, and he had to quit school when he was in 10th grade and start working the farm. And then he said, well, Dad, this university is great, and I get so much knowledge out of there. And he said, in fact, our professor in chemistry had this great experiment. He showed us he's got this, this, this stuff that will melt anything. And he says, it's It's tremendous. And his father said, oh, really? He said, well, what did he carry it in? What kind of vessel did he use for it? Uh, and why didn't that melt? Oh, yeah. You see, and he was using it for a prideful thing. Paul says to us, does it promote edification? Does it lift people up? For the kingdom of God, Paul said, is not a matter of eating or drinking but living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with your attitude, you will please God and other people will approve of you, Paul says in chapter 14 of Romans. You see, it's the combining of the building of the kingdom, not burning it down. And it's so easy to do that if we have pride ruling us. And so Paul comes to this gray area about food. And he says it's not about the food, folks. It's your attitude. 
And if you have a brother or sister who's feeling offended because you're eating in the temple restaurant or you bought temple uh, food that was given to the idol, maybe you're going to need to stop doing that for a while until they catch up with you about your knowledge, about it's all made by God and it's okay to enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong about maybe backing off for a while so that you could give them. The Heidelberg Catechism says it so beautifully, and he shows us here who God really is. He says to us, as the Catechism says, there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one God, and in the same substance, equal in power and glory. And you see, knowing that, we know that God has created this stuff, We're using it for his glory. We can use it to eat. We can use it to give to our friends who are struggling. But he says the key is is glorifying God in your action. And if you're making a brother or sister who this is offending, maybe you need to back off for a while until you can help them and catch them up with their understanding of who God is and what the, the thing has been created for, for the glory of God. And you see... <clears throat> They're still, they're still connecting with former associations and idolatry. And he says, you got to wait for them and help them through that so that their conscience can catch up. Um, <clears throat> God has done this through the power of the Holy Spirit and will convince them. I can remember a, couple, a group of people who were upset because they had led two young men to Christ early on in my ministry at Uh, my church in New Jersey. And these guys were living the wildlife. They're involved with recreational drugs. They're involved, one was was, uh, uh, living with a, a girl who was Jewish. The other one was living a very promiscuous life and they come to know Christ. And they were playing in a, a, a football game of, of a flag football league on Sunday morning. And one of the guy, one of my elders said, you know, you should maybe talk to them about that. We could use them in Sunday school. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? I'm going to let the Lord take care of this one. And because, and this is what Paul speaks to us about, which is so wonderful, how the Holy Spirit works with this. And as they learn the knowledge, God works in their hearts. And that's where this comes to conscience. It says, however, not all men have the knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if they were sacrificed to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. And so they weren't getting it. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat or the better if we do eat it. But take care that the liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block for a weak person. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. But the brother whose sake Christ died for. And so by sinning against the brother and wounding his conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. And he sees this as a serious problem 
When we use our knowledge in Christ and our knowledge to demean somebody, he says, you're not only wounding that person, but you're wounding Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. And in this situation where these guys were playing this football, I decided, I said, you know what, I'm going to pray for these guys. I'm going to tell them about the need that we have. We had young people in our church that needed a Sunday school, and they needed young men and women who would be able to teach them about Christ, and it would be advantageous for them. But you see, they had this commitment that they made with these guys they're playing football with. And so what was interesting... One night we were out doing evangelism and we're in the, the van, we're sitting there and the one guy says, you know, we've been talking about it. But we realize that we have time and we're playing football on Sunday morning and we're not going to church. We're not hearing the word. And you tell us about these kids who need to hear about Christ. He said, we only have got two more games left. And what we're going to do is we're going to play those last two games, but we're not playing next year. We're not signing up. We're going to spend our Sundays and morning here with hearing the word of God and then teaching those kids because that's what they need. And you see, this is where the conscience worked on their hearts to open them up, to be able to see the need and be concerned with others. And you see, this is Paul's whole idea about this about being concerned about your brothers and sisters of Christ, not defending them, but lifting them up. And here, this is the same way in which we grow our children up, that we want to help them see the right path and to do the right things and be able to experience and understand the need. And by that need, they reach out to others and help others people. And it's a, it's a knowledge that comes from the Spirit of God. And so... Paul wants us to see the issue is not the food. It's our attitudes of our heart, how we're concerned about brothers and sisters in Christ who are young and need Christ, need his things, but it's easy for them to build in little places for safety for them so that they don't have to make any decisions. But in that process, they wind up missing the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. And you see, Jesus says this in his word. He says, therefore, not anything outside the person, but it's what goes in him that defiles him. And when we get our spirits and our hearts tuned in to the knowledge of Christ and that we are concerned is for others and for what's important to Christ, then we have this freedom to help others in our situation. And Paul speaks about this very plainly here. And says, therefore, therefore, if food causes your brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again. That's how strongly he felt about it. And how important it was for him. And to care for other people. 